It's a special breed of person that can do this for so long and not go crazy. And one of the, yeah. the ways to do it is to have people that are the same that you can talk to. Because you end up in these situations where you talk to your normal friends. They have their nine to five job. That's when it starts and it ends. And then they can't relate to what you're doing and to your pains and you cannot talk to them. And having someone that understands you is what can keep you saying and, and, and building this. Get you a bit further in this very interesting path. Hi, and welcome to the Code and Conquer podcast. We have a very special guest today. His name is Dan Mindrew. He's a very talented entrepreneur and the creator of several successful projects over the year of 2023. His new website builder and boilerplate business, Chapixen, Clobber, Crontab, and the very well-known Hunted Space, a tool to monitor your product hunt launches. We're going to dive deep into the IndieHacker community, his journey, and what his next steps might be now. I hope you enjoy this episode. Let's jump right in. And we are live for the 15th episode of the Code and Conquer podcast. And today I have with me Dan Mindrew, who should be a name that a lot of Twitter followers are <laughs> recognizing at this point. For the guys who don't recognize your name yet, Dan, who are you and how did you end up on an Indie Hacker podcast? That is a brilliant question. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I am an indie maker. And over the past year or so, I've been building things in public. And a lot of you might have seen some of those apps like Clobber or Crontap or Hunted Space and then and a few others. And then most recently, Shipixen. And I tried to be an active member of the community. And if I can help a bit and, and give some advice every now and then, I do that. And... Otherwise, I'm uh, I'm trying to build things. I'm trying to see the light at the end of the tunnel with the products to you know, have a good time doing that as well. Enjoy doing it, have fun, and and, and build products that people love using. So that's me. And you have just been described as the funniest person on Twitter. <laughs> someone said that. Yeah, someone. I, I talked with Sandra beforehand, and she actually said. There's a rumor going that she has the most listens, that her episode has the most listens. And I said, yeah, of course, because you're the funniest. And then she says, no, I actually think you're going to be more funny than I am. So I doubt, <laughs> I doubt that. I I don't think I can reach that level, but I have my moments. That's fine. <laughs> we will see about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. And the number one product that you're working on right now is the one that just launched two days, I think, ago, or maybe last week it was, which is yeah. called Shipixen. Yeah. So what is that and how did the launch go? <laughs> Both great questions. So Shipixen launched last Monday now, so it's one full week. But okay, the, the launch is 24 hours, so it's Monday to Tuesday. So about a week ago, the launch went brilliantly. So I. I When you say launch in this space, it's automatic that you launch it on Product Hunt as well. But it's also a, a conceptual launch where you don't think of the product as being a pre-order or, or a beta test or something that people still try out. But now you're into the, the mode where everything should work. You have a stable thing and then people pay for it and they, they expect to to be a solid product. So. It went great. I got number one. 
There were a bit of sales as well. Not actually, we can discuss that. Not as many as I hope, but still pretty good. That's an interesting topic with product hunt and sales. And then, yeah, what is ShipXM? So it's a twist on boilerplates. Boilerplates are really popular these days. A lot of people are taking their own boilerplate that they build products with and selling it as a package. And for me, that's not good enough. So I took the boilerplate concept and I put a UI on top of it so you can configure it easily, add you know your logo, a nice theme, and click some toggles here and there to get maybe you want a blog, maybe you want a pricing page, terms pages, or whatever you need. You just flip a few switches and then you generate it. And the cool part about it is that you get a button to deploy it to Vercel. So there's no manual step now unless you want to get it locally. You just press a button and then it goes into your GitHub and then on Vercel deployed. It literally takes five minutes. So the reason why I built that first was because I want this product. I really want this product because I've told you about a few projects. So I'm launching a project every couple months maybe and every time i do i start with the boilerplate which is it's still good it's still a a lot of time saved but i still end up spending a week configuring it and then adding the assets that you need and then figuring out yeah do i need this page or that page? you always need a pricing page so that's always annoying to do and Later, you're launching and you think, I should see what my channels are. And maybe one of your channel is SEO and you need to do that. So then you need to set up a blog. And that's another week of work to do it properly and, and add all the meta tags and JSON LD and so on and so forth. So long story short, these five minutes that you spend in ShipXM basically give you that and also help you in the future when you think, oh, I want this in the product. It's probably built into to shipping. And as a result of all the products that I've built into sort of this, this boilerplate plus the configuration around it. So first of all, I can use it and then hopefully other people use it as well. Not hopefully, they do. Um, I know they do because they bought it and I can see that they do. <laughs> yeah. But you just mentioned that you, I think you got number two, right? And you mentioned... Number yeah, one. exactly. Number one. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so number. you actually got number excuse, one of the day. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very sorry for this uh, misinterpretation. Wow, what a blunder. Yeah, you'll take it out of post. That's fine. Yeah. So you just got number one on Product Hunt, but you mm -hmm. mentioned that the sales have been actually not disappointing, maybe, but less than you mentioned them to be. Yeah. So do you already know why that could be the case? Do you yeah. have a, a, a clue? <laughs> I have a, a clue with a K. One is that the target group in Product Hunt is not a complete match. So I know it's it's one of the target groups. So th this product has, I discovered from the people that bought it, quite a few target audiences. And the one that was most active on my launch, people building things, people that maybe are also indie hackers like myself, they mostly already have something like this. They've already built something and they have their own version or they think they could do that is the pitfall of the developer that thinks they do it very quickly. I can. I, I used to think like this as well. I could just do this very quickly. Why do I need to use this existing thing? 
simple setup, couple of clicks, and two weeks later, I couldn't do it that quickly. So a lot of people, I'm pretty sure, had that mentality. You know, I don't need the site. I have my own nine target group. And then the second thing is just generally the conversion from Product Hunt is not that good because a lot of the people that are there for their own products as well and not for yours, they're there to support or maybe they're launching next week. A lot of people interact with Product Hunt before their launch and they're more active and they will come and support you in the hope that you'll support them. There's a bit of that as well. So if I think that's a major part of why the conversion is, is not great on Product Hunt. That being said, it wasn't bad. I forget the exact numbers. I can pull them up. It was maybe more than 30 orders or around 30 orders during that launch. If you could get that every 48 hours, uh, sorry, 24 hours, not, not even 48. If you could get that with something else, that would be freaking brilliant. But you can't really. There's nothing like it. And so I'm still very grateful and definitely recommend people do it because it's free. And you, even if you don't make any sales, it's still a win. First of all, if you get the community around you, that's a win. But it gives you this feeling of launching something. There's nothing like it. You really draw a line in the sand and say, this was before the launch and after the launch. Uh, then you, you get feedback. Some of it better than others, but you do get feedback. And a lot of it is genuine. And finally, you get the backlink. You get the... The, the authority, you get some proof that you've been on the internet, that you're not <laughs> sort of a scam <laughs> product. You've been there, you have, maybe you get a review or two, that's also good. I don't have any, I didn't get to that yet. I don't have any testimonial or a platform or, or something like that. I just use Product Hunt and figuring this out as I go, but it's good. It's a good start. You get some reviews and a rating there to start with. And then if you make it in the top five, that's, again, a different boost because you're going to be included in newsletters. You're going to, word spreads around. You don't know what opportunities are going to come uh, out of it. You get featured in, in their weekly newsletter thing that also has a lot of eyes on it. So it, it gets better and better. But it, really, you cannot, you cannot lose by going on product hunt, and it's completely free. And you don't even need to spend that much time preparing it. I, I did. I think I spent a couple of days. <laughs> but you could do it. Some people just do it. Tomorrow I'm going to launch. And then you pull the trigger. And that's also fine. One thing you can always do is afterwards, like after you're launching on Product Hunt, you can just put on your website as featured in Product Hunt. Yeah. <laughs> and you're good. Yeah. I've that's seen also that. A good, that's also a good... It's not worth a lot if you know... <laughs> what product hunt is but the interesting thing about product hunt and the reason why it's so hard to be a competitor to it so we have dev hunt now that i've actually just tried but the thing with product hunt is that they have some sort of weight to this badge that you put so when you put yeah we've been on product hunt, or i got whatever place on product hunt that has a weight and of course it depends on your product and target audience they might not know what what the heck is product hunt but if they do, that means something. Like everyone appreciates what's hard, no matter what you do. And if you get in the top five, that or even top three, that that means something. It means you either have a community around it, or this product cannot be complete trash if you made it in the top three. Pretty hard to make it in the top three with a trash product. There is some value to it. 
I think there is some I think there's two sides of the same coin, right? Like on the one hand side is product hunt still a product a plat sorry, a platform that works because it's getting to be a popularity contest, like who has more followers that can upvote, right? And on the other hand, you're completely right that a completely shitty product usually doesn't have a community around it, doesn't get the upvotes that it deserves, mm. right? Yeah. The popularity contest is a good point. I don't think my my launch is a good example of, of why that's not entirely true. Of course, it helps a lot, and then I, I have my own my own work that went into this to to be part of the community and then have have people that supported me, and I'm super grateful for that. But the second place in that launch was Dan and, and Zveta, right? Other hi Dan and Zveta, <laughs> awesome makers as well. I think they probably have so combined because they launched together. They probably have, I don't know, six, seven times the following versus mm -hmm. what I have. And they have a, a newsletter with thousands of, of subscribers as well. And of course, they launched with, with that backing as well. And I still somehow managed to get in front. And it, it, it's a mix of community and product always. Getting people to actually open up Product Hunt and do the upvote it takes a little bit more than just having them in the community because sometimes people do this to me as well and then they DM and for the most, I'm like, yeah, okay, this looks decent. But for some products, I just can't do it because it doesn't, either I don't understand it or it's not a product for me mm -hmm. or I think this is not really good enough to deserve an upvote. So there's that part is, is important too. But that being said, if you have a big community behind you, you're more likely to be successful on, on Product Hunt, and, and that's a fact. But I think what's really helping you is then having one like a very good product and then promoting it the right way. Mm. Because we've just seen Mark Luvion launch his, I think, securing payments on Stripe, a yeah. new SaaS product. Yeah. And the amount of work he puts into creating like massively funny and successful videos for yeah. the launch is yeah. of course that's going to be popular and probably going to get you a, a high end mm. result of the day from product hunt because you actually put a lot of work into it right you're promoting it everywhere in a very yeah. funny tone in mark's case and then it works right then there's not just a popularity contest there yeah yeah of course it, it doesn't mean that you you can well, I'm trying not to swear, but okay, you, you, <laughs> you, you shouldn't half-ass it because you have a huge following because that's not going to work out. You, st yeah. you still need to put effort into marketing. You, the more effort you put, the, the further you'll get. But of course, even if you don't put the effort, uh, uh, him or even Dan and Zved, I think they will get pretty far just by putting a tweet out there saying, we've launched. I don't know if I would. I think... Mm -hmm. So as I said, I prepare the bid and, and, and try to have a little bit of strategy. And then I put my teaser page. So that's a thing we can get into. Because if you don't have that much of a following, one trick you could do on Product Hunt to get a bit of support. I think I had 40 people max on that teaser page, but it's very important early. Because you set up this teaser page, that probably a lot of people know what it is, that thing where you press notify me, and then mm -hmm. you're going to get a notification in the app and an email around one hour after all the, the things launch. So that's it's very important that early to get some support. And you can talk about your teaser page two weeks in advance or 
under your content, you can also mention, by the way, I'm going to launch in two weeks and remember to get notified. Mm -hmm. And I have to do stuff like that to, to be competitive. And a lot of the people that have a bigger following might be able to bypass it. Not to say that they do. All of them, I think, put a lot of work. Even, again, I'm going to refer to Dan and Zveda because I liked what they launched. And just the fact that they wrote the newsletter and they put it in there, that's also effort. It's not, yeah, it, it just happened. And I can see they're involved. And there was some drama with uh, a product that if you want to open up some drama in product hunting, happy to <laughs> tell you about it but there was a product that in the last two hours they basically skyrocketed and they were number one until the very last moment and both uh, my product and dan and, and zveda was number two and three respectively because of these guys and there was a lot of drama we got we got in contact with support and said the comments here they have the same content and they're all new users with you know New user one two three seventy five, mm-hmm. um, and that's also a reality of product hunt is that there is quite a bit of cheating too. So even if you you have to be strong mentally, if you prepare and have high expectations, and maybe you shouldn't as well. That's also a thing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you can lose it because of cheating or partial cheating. Uh, product hunt lately has been good at at finding these and slashing votes afterwards but it doesn't always happen and it, it's yeah, it's such a shame when it does because you feel like yeah, i put so much work into this and now i lost a couple places just because someone paid a thousand bucks to a bot network to get in front especially if you're dropping from five five to six where the effect isn't that big as the top five is yeah yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. exactly yeah getting back a little to shipixen your product has been described as something completely new as a landing page builder like mm-hmm. matthias from oscar stories wrote something in the testimonials you have online and that it's working like it that, that, that it adds more than the usual boilerplates and i feel like you are i, I just interviewed jo- jonathan wilke who does a zas boilerplate mm-hmm. um on on twitter and other places mm-hmm. and um i asked him a very similar question but i want to state it to you too Like how there's a lot of boilerplates out there. The just mentioned Mark Luvion has one himself <laughs> as well. Of course. And how yeah. do you like, what does Shipixen do differently? And how did you come up with stuff to set you apart from all of these other boilerplates? Yeah. So that, that's very easy. So compared to all the other boilerplates where you, what, what you get with most of them is you, you get the setup and then you get a nice insert your app here front page right and maybe some account management depends on the type of boilerplate there, there are a lot of them with mine you get an actual home page and if you want to generate the content with ai and generate some sections you can do that too and you get something that if you hook up a pre-order button it's ready to launch so you put the content if you want and you have everything else around it ready to go so some people that use it are really excited to use it because not everyone is that brilliant at design and at getting something that looks good quickly and it's not just saving you a day of setting up the technology it's also saving you maybe a week at trying to figure out a good design that's maybe not good mine looks good from the start and you can choose a few themes and 
customize it so it looks like your product as well. And then essentially, you get the pricing page, you get the terms of service. There's a police car. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. There's no, a... No. We'll fix it in post as well. There's a <laughs> terms of service, privacy page, and it has your brand infused. So you're not just getting the the scaffolding. You're actually getting the the, the final product that you can use to, to launch right away. Mm-hmm. So that's the main difference is that perhaps it's more towards a landing page builder than the others are. And it helps you get a good design from the get-go. So you also shortcut that step. That's why it saves um, so much time. It, it saves time with the design and it saves time with the configuration. And it also has the building blocks for later when you need to expand and go into SEO, for example. I think what's I think the number one problem that it solves, at least when I look at it and try to think about cases that I would use it for, I think the one thing that it really solves best is that you have an idea in your head and you go, that might be something I can sell. And then you build a landing page for it and you try to pre-sale, pre-sell it or just put a waiting list button on there mm-hmm. and then see if you can get some sales or some waiting list up without yeah. having actually built anything behind that. So your app isn't exactly. there yet. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. That's it. That's it. Getting something fast. And then the proof of concept, which worked so well, was exactly that. I built mm-hmm. uh, the first version of Shipixon was built with the MVP of Shipixon. <laughs> and I launched it and I thought, if this thing sells anything, if I can get pre-orders for this thing, it means I have a business case. Because if I can, everyone else can, and everyone else would, could get the same value out of it. And it literally took me a, a day because I was also tweaking the product as I was making the homepage. And so, oh, I actually want setting here to have the, the logo differently on dark mode, for example. Or, but literally in a day, I managed to build it with itself. <laughs> and the, the pre-sales were amazing. So yeah, if that's not a, a testimonial to, to the value of this product, then I don't know what is. So that's, of course, one of the, the key parts about it. But you can also build on top of it. And, uh, and a lot of people have done that. It spans a broad range of, of use cases. And I'm trying to focus a little bit because some people that are web developers for 10 years, they got this and they said, this is great, but not because I'm, I'm going to use it completely. It's because I'm going to pick and choose some of the things that you did well and put them in, in my app and save a bunch of time and take the patterns, take the, the theming. It also comes with a UI library as well. Some people got the theme and then got the UI library and they use that in their app. Yeah, so it it's gonna it's gonna go in a few directions afterwards. I'm super excited about it. I can talk about it for hours because <laughs> there's so many target groups. There's the blogging side that gets me so excited because I don't know if you have a blog. I think you do. I think I, I do have, up. yeah. Not yeah. very active, but yeah, mm-hmm. of course. Ex- and that's exactly where I'm going. Because <laughs> I have a blog that's not very active. I have a few blogs that are not very active. And depending on where you host it, if you go through the trouble to host it yourself, maybe you're going to get away relatively cheap. Like if you do a WordPress or something, you can fly under the radar. But 
most of my blogs are on one popular blogging platform. So it's a SaaS and they charge me through the nose for just having this thing there that, mm-hmm. that I don't use. Yeah. <laughs> so what I want to do, and I'm actually pretty close to it, the first thing is to solve this problem for myself because I'm just paying these guys too much money and I don't want to pay anymore. I'm going to look at what I'm going to take Ghost first and, and export my data and then add an option to to import it in Shipixen and then spit out the entire blog and get the code. I can throw that on a free Vercel because it's not a commercial project, right? It's not blogs mm-hmm. can be on the free hobby plan, whatever they call it. And I've saved 200 bucks maybe or between 100 and 200, depending on what you use a year. And this is going to be there forever. So super excited about that. And that's just one thing um, out of, yeah. I think I have five at least. So please stop me because I can't, I can't stop myself <laughs> say something. I actually have one follow-up question for you because mm-hmm. I'm always interested in people's other people's opinions on this. For the last two SaaS businesses that I started, one is still in development, the other one I abandoned because it didn't feel like a fit that would work. For the one that we're still building, that we're now building an MVP for, I am always of the opinion I can't sell anything before I've actually built it. So I'm struggling with this concept of putting on a landing page and then gathering pre-sales without having, one, the ability to give them something right that second, right? Mm -hmm. And the second one, I can't show the app yet. So I can't show like a video with me using the app if it doesn't exist, right? What's your opinion on selling something that doesn't exist yet? Yeah, I have a bit of the same. So what what I do is before I put that up, I have at least a POC of, of what it could be. So no matter how rough it is. So when I did MRR, what, what I did was the POC was a tweet where I went into one of these huge ASCII tables and or Unicode, actually. And there are picked and choose some characters to make a, a text chart and then tweeted that. Uh, and that was my POC. And I know if I put a pre-order link for that, it's possible to build it. it, it it's a concept that has the end result of it is possible, at least. So I don't do it if I don't have that. And even mm-hmm. for Shipix, I didn't do it until I built the the website with it. And it was rough. And then I need a lot of manual tweaks because you know, it was very specific for me. But I had something out of it, and I know I, I could build this into a product if enough people sell it. So I don't know if that's a recommendation, <laughs> but ideas are quite cheap. And then making a pre-order on an idea without knowing if you can execute the POC of it doesn't seem like a good approach. Then you might have to refund everybody when you realize this is yeah, this is not going to happen or it's going to take way too much time. I thought it's going to mm. be simple and they need to refund. So that, that's my approach. Do It doesn't have to be too big. Uh, do you know the minimum effort to see that it could work and then figure out how to build it if you get a number of pre-orders. And that's, you set that number based on how big the product is. So I knew this product is medium-sized, I would say. So mm-hmm. I wanted 20 pre-orders before before I would build it. And I got that quite quickly. And then 
I panicked because I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> now you actually have to build it. Yeah, right? <laughs> now I actually have to build it. And these people that got it, did they understand what I'm building? And, I, and that's the tricky part with the pre-orders. That, and there's always going to be some of that. And you're always going to have this concern that, did they actually misunderstand what I'm trying to sell them here? And I don't think any one of the pre-orders has refunded. There were some people that mm-hmm. had refunded later on that bought it and said, oh, this is actually more technical than I thought. I thought I don't need to even touch the code ever. That happened. Or, or some people that got it for Linux and they realized, oh, this doesn't run on Linux, stuff like that. But most people that did actually kept it and they were happy with it. So it's in our head as well. It's in our head that, yeah, but now panic comes. But we're also bad at estimating things, which sort of gives you a minor shock when you think this is going to take a lot more than I thought is going to. And then you essentially have to cut things down and set up. For me, I said it's a medium project, so a medium project cannot take more than one month to build. I think mm-hmm. I did that quicker. But I had the boilerplate from my projects and I had parts of it from my other projects that I built over more than a year that I could incorporate in it. So if I had to build it from scratch completely and didn't have any experience whatsoever until now, this would have taken six months, uh, probably. (laughs) Yeah, but long story short, I think if you get the POC, it's fine to put the pre-order and work on the landing page a little bit so you you have a you have a reasonable chance of people understanding what they're pre-ordering and it should be fine you i promise you won't get many refunds i promise <laughs> don't promise DM, right don't, yeah don't dm me if you don't <laughs> <laughs> one thing because i haven't actually tried your product yet i'm not sure you don't have a free trial as well right you can uh download it and play with it i don't mm-hmm. I used to have a big download button, but I took it out because I don't optimize for that path. I will in the future. Essentially, the experience is you can configure everything, and then at the end, you're going to get a please enter a license when you try to generate it. Mm-hmm. And that's a bit dry. It could it need some, why should I put a license and what do I get? Maybe a, a preview of what you're going to get. Yeah, but you can download it at, at any point uh, for Mac and Windows. Mm-hmm. so far there's a um, download in the footer yeah the question was because um i usually when i can i try the products that i'm uh, talking to the people here on the podcast mm-hmm. um so for this one i didn't do this yet but i want yeah. to <laughs> for for sure yeah. um uh, but does it actually also generate the text that's on the page or is that yeah. something that i have to do or is there ai involved that writes the there's sales the- content for me there's optional AI that could write the sales uh, mm-hmm. pitch. It's it's a little bit simple right now. So based on you, you, you don't prompt it or anything, I do it. People say it's magic, and sometimes <laughs> magic is good. Sometimes magic not so good. This one's <laughs> it's a fifty-fifty, <laughs> but it it you can turn it on and it's gonna write the content based on. The other stuff that you put, so you you need to of course put a title, a description, and then your domain. And it's going to do a few things. It's going to do uh, some features f- for you. It's going to do 
the uh, hero section. It's going to do a frequently asked question section. It's even going to do some fake testimonials for those that <laughs> enjoy <laughs> those. <laughs> and it's, it's generally pretty good. It's pretty good to when you start a design, and I know how much you design, but as a designer, when you go into Figma, if you just have lorem ipsum, blah, 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 it's a lot harder to work on that design than to have mm-hmm. actual example content because then you look at it and you think, okay, this is my product. This is how this thing should work. You either tweak it or have a have a creative moment where you think, oh, yeah, I can write this or that. So it is that. It's going to give you a starting point. And then you, if you're lucky, maybe you just need to do a couple tweaks. But you get the sections in place and you get the actual landing page with everything in place. So it's a matter of then writing some content with maybe the help of GPT, tweaking it, and then you're ready mm-hmm. to go. So that's a cool thing that I want to explore and give a bit more control. Maybe you can say what sections you want and how many and have some edits or some tweaks or maybe even be able to give it additional instructions on on what to write and, and stuff like that. So I'm very excited about that. And that touches even more on the landing page builder aspect of it. It's quite exciting. Yeah, the thing is, a lot of people that have used it so far they might not know exactly what that what that content should be on the landing page. So if they get anything, it's good. And then they'll they'll spend the day on the copy and then maybe get to a pre-order stage uh, afterwards. And, and as I said, it's worth spending that day on the copy because you get a chance to iron yeah. out the misunderstanding between what you're selling, pre-ordering, and getting yourself into trouble later where you realize that people bought a different thing, a different idea, and, and that's not what you're building. You have to, to refund it. Yeah. Yeah, that's something I'm have, I have struggled in the past with. When we, the landing page for our product, we podcasted, it's not live yet. So if you go to the website, it just says, we podcast it will be here soon, which mm-hmm. I hope it will be. <laughs> yeah. But we have a landing page design ready to go that I just have to implement now. Yeah. And we share screenshots of this on mm-hmm. Twitter. Mm-hmm. And the feedback for, from some guys was actually, I don't understand what your product does. Mm-hmm. So that, that's why I asked the question about sales yeah. text and copywriting, mm-hmm. because that seems to be so fucking important. And a yeah. lot of developers can't really copyright. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would like to say that it helps you with that, but it wouldn't be completely true. So you, you do get mm-hmm. a starting point, which might mean you get the ball rolling and you have some ideas, but it's it's an art form to write good copy. I don't pretend that I do it myself either. But what happens is really interesting. If you can launch this thing, even if it's half GP, if you launch it and you put that link and ask either if you have any social virtual friends or actually mm-hmm. real life friends doesn't matter i can't have <laughs> many of those so if you have people around you'll send it because they just put up this landing page it's cool you're gonna send it and people are gonna say as you did i don't understand what this is mm-hmm. but now you have it there so it gives you this momentum to iterate on the copy to iterate on the sections as well that you would otherwise not be able to reach if you obviously if you don't launch anything at all no one sees this, no one gives you feedback, and you don't know if it's good or not. So using something like ShipXN or just putting something out there, whatever it is, however you do it, 
actually is going to push you to iterate more often and to get that product launched quicker. So I, I definitely recommend putting something out there, even mm -hmm. if you think it's not that good, even if you think it needs a lot of work, you're going to do that work a lot sooner if you put it out there first. I think it's something like I can imagine from or that I know from other from another industry, I, I'd say, or another category of, of things that I do, which is creative writing, right? A friend of mine wrote three books at this point, while another friend of mine is struggling with like 17 different book projects. Mm. This friend wrote three books, two of them are published now, and the third one will be next year, I think. Mm -hmm. And the thing was for her, she always said, you have to write the first draft. You have to write it and it will be shitty. <laughs> it will mm -hmm. suck. Nobody will understand the structure of your yeah. story. It's yeah. probably going to be a bad book, but yeah. it's going to exist. And the perfect book you can't write. So the getting through the, through the first draft and then iterating on that, just like you said right now, is going to be better than having nothing. And I think that's the same for digital products, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One thing that I'm interested in It's a little meta because Shapixen was created with Shapixen and stuff <laughs> like that. But what are you doing marketing-wise? I know that you're like a very active person in a bit of public indie hacking community. But yeah. apart from that, how do you usually market your products that, that some people see them? Yeah, I'll, I'll just pick for, speak for, for Shapixen. I think mm -hmm. each of them is a little bit different. And I, I think the broad audience is something developer-ish. I, I tend to go in that niche. But for Shipixon, it, it's developers plus people that are uh, more in the marketing areas as well. And I have a few channels. I, I actually put a lot of time into ads for the first time. And I'm trying mm -hmm. to figure out how to do those. I'm a complete noob with ads. I've tried to expand this thing on LinkedIn, and I think that had a little bit of success. I went to Reddit with it as well, and I'm putting quite a lot of effort into SEO and trying to utilize the blog as a content hub. And the blog is also, of course, a, a big part of Shipixon itself. So I want it to be a success. I want it to be a good baseline for SEO and have a success story out of it because then people could use it for their own products. So those are the yeah the, the major channels. And of course, I forgot product hunt, which is important. But the way this started and the biggest, the, the biggest channel that I could convert so far was still X and Twitter. And I didn't do something on purpose for it. Mm -hmm. I, I did do before the launch so not to completely lie i did change the tone to more marketing but the the pre-launch was hey i'm building this what do you think i think i'm on to something that was my approach and it went very well it got a few hundred thousands of views or impressions whatever you call it on, mm -hmm. on twitter and that definitely boosted the sales i think the the, the pre-orders for Mastler close we're getting close to 100 pre-orders just from x marketing because i didn't have i didn't have the product i couldn't go somewhere else with it with the pre-order yet <laughs> so yeah that, that was an important channel and then uh i don't know if this is big enough to have a, a channel but 
I went on Indie Hackers Twitter as well and, and got featured there for the initial pre-order. So the initial pre-orders were actually equivalent to the Product Hunt launch. And then the difference was on Product Hunt actually had a product with the pre-orders. I didn't. I just had a tweet and maybe a landing page. I'm not even sure if I had the, maybe the landing page. And I made similar amount of sales uh, from those two. And of course, Product Hunt required a lot more preparation. So yeah, X was a big part of it. And then Indie Hackers boosted it a bit, at least got it under the spotlight. And get, getting featured on Indie Hackers is, is not too bad. It's not mm -hmm. too bad. Yeah. Can you figure can you figure out from your analytics how big that step was from indie hackers like how people converted to your website? Yeah, comparatively, let me just pop it up because I, <laughs> I can give you real time data. <laughs> so comparatively, it was maybe four times less than Reddit, for example. Mm -hmm. But so I could put it in order. X is the top. It just worked very well for this product, even though I don't think my audience, primary audience, might be there. As I said, I think builders already have something like this. But when you get something very popular on X, it goes outside your audience. It gets quite mm -hmm. far into, yeah. Okay, so X, the first product hunt, the second, which is maybe 10 times less than X, just to get the scale like this. <laughs> And product That's hunt is enough, good. Yeah. yeah, and product <laughs> yeah. hunt is good. Then half that, and you get Google and SEO. So that's been going well. I think I chose a a good name for SEO so far. It's identifiable, mm -hmm. and it's it's not a typo of something, and people find it easily on Google. That's sometimes you hit that. Sometimes you're a typo of a famous movie or something, and in, in your <laughs> and you have yeah. Then Reddit comes next, and that's half have google roughly and then half that is in the hacker okay <laughs> reddit, but it's better quality than reddit mm. for example it's going to get you a lot of views but it's also going to get out as, as people saying you know i think one of the it generally wasn't that bad but one of the people there said oh is this paid i'm going to make my own open source version <laughs> see ya <laughs> like yeah good luck with that it's going to take yeah. you six months <laughs> Yeah, there is actually a reason why this is paid. It's been a lot of work to do it. And a lot of products that were built with the pieces that make the boilerplate. Yeah, that, that's a ranking. But I think Indie Hackers brought a lot of a lot of people in my general area of influence, say. There is quite a few new followers and quite a few people that actually even got it because of the indie hackers article i think maybe that's a good a good channel for me to explore again for some reason on on indie hackers it was i think the conversion was a lot better than on product Hunt, for example and i think there is a big overlap between the, those two communities mm -hmm. or there should yeah, be sure. the conversion was better for some reason so it could also be the content that i put on indie hackers that was actually resonating with people um, yeah Regarding the whole thing that you experienced, like you, the first time that you ever tried ads for a product, mm -hmm. what was your experience like? Did you push it on Meta, Instagram, just Twitter? Google. What was the strategy? No, just Google. I think the Google and SEO 
parts make sense together. It made sense mm -hmm. to choose this as the, the first target for ads. And I did try a little bit of Google ads before, so I'm not completely new, but it's been a very long time since, so things have changed. It's been many years since I tried uh, Meta, and I tried Twitter, yeah, maybe at the beginning of the year. It was very poor. I, mm -hmm. I felt like just burying money. It was a different product, though. So maybe it's worth a try. But I think Google is a pretty good bang for the buck, in theory, because I just set up tracking this morning. <laughs> I was struggling to to figure out. I, I make sales through Lemon Squeezy. I was trying mm -hmm. to figure out how can I track a purchase because it's on a different domain, obviously. It, it's not mine. How can I track this properly? So I just figured it out today. But it's trial and error with this, especially since I don't know a lot about ads. And honestly, I have no idea what I'm doing. But <laughs> Google seems like a good entry for me to see what's happening. And if Google doesn't work well, if I find out Google doesn't work well, I'm probably not going to continue with ads. I'm going mm. to change to something else. So it's, it's not all products that you can do ads with. So some of my other products, they either don't cost enough or uh, are not recurring. Or so uh, let's say Clubber. I can't remember how much that's like a 20 bucks App Store purchase. It's not worth it for me to do ads for that mm -hmm. because even if you convert the people, you're, you don't get that much out of it. But for Shipixon, if I do a yearly license out of an ad, then it actually makes a lot of sense to spend a bit on that conversion. Yeah, because the, the entry price is such higher than exactly. just having a B2C yeah. product or a very cheap B2B product, right? Exactly. <clears throat> yeah. And it's less risky because then you, you get the payment. There's still a chance to refund. But uh, mm. if, if you're on a SaaS, you could potentially do the same and think, yeah, I'm going to pay maybe the first month of the subscription. I'm going to spend that on ads for a certain conversion. But you have no guarantee that a person is going to continue to subscribe after the first month. Uh, even if they do, they might not. Um, <laughs> I feel like it's a good fit price and product-wise to try ads. So hopefully they work. On another note, I wanted to talk for a second about Hunted Space. <laughs> Maybe first an, a small introduction to what Hunted Space actually is and how you got mm -hmm. into building that platform. Yeah. yeah. So Hunted Space is a dashboard for product hunt that shows all of the upvotes and comments and even the speed of the upvotes for either the top 10 products. So this is more, imagine, charts of progress over the day and also for your own launch. So you, you get your own launch dashboard. And that's how it started for me is when I launched. So it maybe seems like I've been doing this for 10 years in my head. <laughs> but my first launch on Product Hunt must have been in January this year. Let me just check. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> you had a very active 2023, I think. It was an active 2023. <laughs> Let me just check. Yeah, so January 25th was my first Product Hunt launch. And I had this dashboard and I could not find any sort of useful information in it uh, it was very simple and i didn't know what the others were doing 
at all. I was actually quite interested. How am I doing compared to others? You, you have no idea. Is mm-hmm. it going well? Is it, you know? And that that product, I, I would like to say, it did well, but it didn't. It felt like it did well because it was my first launch, and I was very excited about it. That's why I say you cannot go wrong on Product Hunt. I don't think I made it in the top ten. I'm pretty sure I haven't. But it felt so good, and I was so happy with that launch. So. I thought for my next launch, I need a proper dashboard. I need to know what I'm doing and I need to get better at this because it's worthwhile, the the investment. And that was one thought. And the other thought was, how do I know which day I should launch? Is there some sort of pattern indication or some sort of data stats that I could grab? And there wasn't much. And... Product Hunt has some data, but it's not easy to get to. So the first thing that I built was the calendar where I could see an overview of, of a given month. And I actually went back to the beginning of Product Hunt. I got all of their data through, through their API down to 2014 and see what are the trends. And even in a given month, is it better to, to launch in that month? And then which day of that month to launch? And if you look a little bit at it and take a piece of paper and so on, you might actually get a better chance at launching in a day where there's less competition for you. And of course, there's a known fact that in this order, if you want to have a better chance, you launch Sunday, Saturday, Friday, Monday, and then Tuesday to Thursday. Good luck to you because all the big <laughs> companies are launching. <laughs> And that's always a trade-off between getting exposure and getting uh, a high uh, position in the ranking by the end of the day. So yeah, that's Hunted Space. It helps with that. In the meantime, it got statistics as well, and it got the cool feature where people could put their upcoming launches. So this doesn't exist the same way on Product Hunt. You can make a teaser page, and you can see there are products coming up, but you have no idea when. And on Hunted Space, you can actually see some of the upcoming product when they're scheduled to go live. And that could help you maybe avoid to launch when there's a lot of them, or maybe there's a really big one, or maybe your friend is launching and you just don't want to, maybe you don't want to launch the same day just because you <laughs> like that friend. <laughs> yeah. So those are some of the things that, that Hunted Space does. And it could go in many directions. And I wanted to make it bigger. I wanted to make it more useful from the, perspective of uh, a person that's diving into the stats that's trying to figure out how to position the product but i i slowed it down a little bit because sometime this year product hunt started to redact a lot of the data so mm-hmm. it's all public data if you you can scrape product hunt but i don't i'm doing it the, the honest way i'm not, i'm using their api and they started to mask user names and user IDs, so you cannot make correlations, and you cannot see those in the comments as well. So I don't have the opportunity to tell you this might be bots or spam comments or so on because they redact all of this data now, which is a shame because one of the big side effects of hunted space is when there's cheating, it's very clear in the charts. Every single mm. time when people report something to Product Hunt, you could see this incredible spike that you cannot get. No matter who you are, 
when you get a spike of 300 upvotes in an hour, there, there's something's not right there. So it's also used as a sort of a community moderation. If mm-hmm. you want to make moderation, it's too much because you still have to write product hunt. But the community uses it to, to keep things in check every now. And then sometimes it works. So the example that I mentioned before with Dan and Zveta, this company that went to number one, after the, the launch finished, the product hunt looked into it. There were hunted space screenshots with their mm-hmm. upvotes. And they demoted them to number six, I believe. So when you're out of number five, you don't include in the newsletters and all of that. And they got what they deserved. And Hunted Space was a good tool to to highlight that because you cannot find anything close to this on Product Hunt. Like maybe if you're lucky and yeah. you took a bunch of screenshots, you can say there's something weird with the upvotes, but you don't see it. This one you know, it up, updates every few minutes. It's not exactly real time. But you can see the history of, of all of the upvotes of the top 10 products at once. Yeah. And having built that, is there something that you have learned from it that you didn't expect? Of course, now you can see how the upvotes come in through the day mm-hmm. and how, like, what the, the best days are to launch. But what's something that you de- didn't expect to find in the data, for example? Mm-hmm. I found that a great indicator if you're going to overtake or even be first is the upvote speed and this is one thing that is just hard to uncover otherwise but the products that get a lot of upvotes in the beginning everyone gets more upvotes in the beginning and slows down but some of them tend to speed up towards the end Mm -hmm. and that's a great predictor of who's going to win not because they will overtake in the number of upvotes because the speed up is not that big. It's in, in relative terms, it's from, let's say, if you have a speed of 70, it goes up to 72, right? It's a little bit of a bump, but everyone else is going down. And even if you have fewer upvotes, you have a big chance to get on top. So that's a very interesting fact. When I launched Hunted Space with Sandra and Alex, this you could see this you could see that the next product that actually beat us in the end they had a higher upvote speed towards the end and i think we even had 100 upvotes more at some point and they got on top of us because i think somehow the algorithm considers this on the product hunt end or like a, a side effect of, mm. of of something regarding the speed pushes products up towards the end yeah fun fact very important towards the end I think there's also some weird stuff where sometimes the product that had, has the most upvotes doesn't get number one. I heard yeah, it's something like this. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's that's it. And it's usually because they have a higher upvote speed. Mm-hmm. That's the correlation I make. You might make weird correlations, but it, it's always like that. If you see a product that has, there could be manual action too. Sometimes the product hunt moderates some things, but... Not nine out of ten times you'd see that the upvote speed is higher when mm. when that happens. Yeah. And maybe one more question because we're running on a little out of time. Um, <laughs> yeah. But one more question that I'm actually interested in here, as I saw it, hundred space is still a free product as I see it. When you are considering building projects, Oops. I feel like you're <laughs> no problem. <laughs> I f- I feel like you're not always just looking at monetization right mm-hmm. like how do you decide when you start a new project am i going to monetize it 
all the time? Is that always the goal or is there some project where you're like, this mm -hmm. is going to be fun and excitement and will probably not make money? Is that something you consider a lot? Yeah, I do. First and foremost, if I want to just make money out of this thing, I wouldn't be doing it because there's a better way to make money for me right now. Long term, it might be different, but this only makes sense for me if I'm having fun while doing it. Otherwise, mm -hmm. it doesn't. Otherwise, it's just work and I can do just work. That's fine. I, I can be a consultant and freelancer, do the work and work on someone's project that I don't maybe identify with or don't, don't find it particularly exciting. Just do the work, get the job done, and then get back. I don't want to do that. So I want to do things that are also fun for me and useful for me as well. So sometimes that means it's not a thing that you could sell. I built another thing called Cron Tool. And Cron Tool was a way for me to better understand cron jobs and to have a nice user interface to, to visualize cron jobs. You can basically It helps you with the, the cron job writing and also shows the, the actual schedule on the calendar. And that's completely free because I didn't really care. I, I had fun building it and I learned what I wanted to do and I didn't care about monetizing it. It, it, it was enough for me. But in, in turn, cron tool brings users to CronTap, which is monetized. And that could be an indirect strategy. If you make a tool like Hunted Space, I could I don't use it for anything. And that's because of the hunt of the product hunt API changes. I think I would have used it more for this purpose if I knew I can count on their API and not have a, a weird change. Uh, but It's very reliant on Product Hunt's API. And right now, I'm afraid that they will do a major change that whatever way I find to monetize Hunted Space will be useless because there's mm. an API change. So I like to keep this free. It's also a community project. So I'm excited that people in, in our community, people building, use it to maybe just to track their launch or, or see what's going on. I think that's very important. It's the accountability that Product Hunt has because of it is important as well. So I don't care about monetizing it right now. It does have a cost and it really blew up a couple of weeks ago when I thought I might have to shut it down because it exploded in cost. And it turns out I was missing a database index and that's why it has. <laughs> <laughs> the painful moments of a developer. <laughs> yes. And... I actually reached out to the database provider and said, if you can't sponsor me, I'm going to shut it down. And then one, one person that was doing educational content for them mm -hmm. reached out and said, let's look at your problem and help me find this index issue and actually made a YouTube video that's somewhat popular on, on their company channel explaining my issue and showing it as a success story so i got a bit more than yeah and it's all healthy and i think i can keep it free for a while mm -hmm. i don't need to monetize it so yeah the long story short is i i also like to have fun with the product and not everything needs to be monetized but of course i try to keep my eye on the prize i still try to i, I will make free tools and even open source tools if i can 
Clobber is, is the, the core of it, and the CLI is completely open source. It's just the UI that's not, mm-hmm. or a part of the UI is anyway. And at the same time, I would like to be able to do this and do this only and not have to take additional work to make more money. But I want to do it at a, at a pace where I'm happy and at a pace where I'm having fun doing it. Because if it's just making the money and doing whatever it takes to make the money, I'm not in for that. I, I don't think that's a better better approach than, than what I could do freelancing. Yeah, I 100% agree. If you're mm-hmm. starting to change your personality or you have to develop a forced personal brand, right? So you can sell copies of whatever you're selling it's it's exactly. like you said it's work again right <laughs> exactly yeah 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 and yeah i, I try to be i try to be me as much as i can yeah. i think that's why my twitter thing is perf- perhaps working is because before i knew how to use this website which is also it, it all started pretty much in january this year which is, seems quite crazy to to look back but before that, I was writing what I thought people wanted to hear. There are generic, big platitudes of whatever, and so on. And I had the revelation. That's not me speaking. That's what I think people want to hear. And people don't want to hear that. People want to hear your story. People want to hear your stupid dad jokes, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's when I turned. And I, I just wrote whatever came to mind, and for better or for worse mostly better that's been building some sort of community some sort of re- relations there there's so many people that i've met by doing this on, on on twitter and so many people that we chat every day and exchange ideas and feels like any other friendship really mm-hmm. feels yeah and, and that's probably the biggest thing i got out of this this year uh, the people that i know now that were complete strangers in, in january i can call them friends and that that's great. That's just great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've done the same ex- experience. Like the one thing that we have in common is that we started something very big in, in January. This podcast will hit its first year anniversary in, in January yeah. of uh, 2024. Oh, um, congratulations. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and uh, you're probably going to be the first that is released in January. I'm not sure if, if we'll make December, but yeah, yeah, then the podcast is here for one year and I've now interviewed 15 people. I think two more are scheduled now. And it's I have a I have an like an own Twitter group that I can just filter my thread my my thread yeah. with all the people that I had on a podcast because a bunch of them have been have become friends either before their episode or after their episode yeah and I'm always happy to someone very better in the indie hacker community when you've talked to them for an hour and before and after that and I think that's amazing and I think that creates genuine connections that we also need if you're if we're building in public but we're not really interacting with each other we're always alone so to say it's getting frustrating very fast i think yeah it's a special breed of person that can do this for so long and not go crazy and one of the the ways to do it is to have people that are the same that you can talk to because you end up in these situations where you talk to your i use this word but Nothing else comes to mind. They're normal friends. And they have their nine to five job and they don't do anything on the side. Nothing wrong with that. But yeah, that's sure. it. That's when it starts and it ends. And then they can't relate to what you're doing and to your pains and your you cannot talk to them. And having someone that understands you is what can keep you 
saying in, in, in building this and get you get you a bit further in this very interesting <laughs> path. Maybe I started the podcast just for that. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I do a lot of things because of that, because it's also it's also nice to the human connection after COVID and yeah. on it. It's nice to, to be able to talk to people, but I'm also doing it without focusing too much. Uh, you, you end up into conversations and then you see a person once or twice or three times and then you think maybe let's schedule a call and just get to know each other and then yeah. it, it goes off from there and I just find that heartwarming because for a while I thought those times on the internet they're gone you cannot have this anymore if you if you look at the other side on reddit where you try to do something and everyone's saying oh you suck get out of here banned or <laughs> post taken down like that those are the that's how I feel about where I used to feel about online community so I can't remember before this year the last time when I made a friend online because you're mostly dodging scams online that's what you're doing yeah. It's not, yeah so it's great that this can still happen and i'm very grateful for the friends that i've made yeah i also can say that like when elon musk shuts down twitter tomorrow the thing that i will the thing i will be afraid of is not i lost just i lost my followers i have to start new the thing that i would think first is oh damn how can i get a hold of the people that are like in the inner circles that I've talked to on Twitter, how can yeah. I get? I, I don't have an email for this person, or I don't have their LinkedIn or something. How do I get <laughs> yeah. to? How do I? How can I reconnect those to those people? And yeah. I think that's awesome. That's like the first thought in my head, at least. That would be the first one. Yeah. Oh yeah, you hit a spot here. Yeah, I am scared some days that might happen because it might, and then I see people that unsubscribe, and I see, yeah see elon doing some really stupid and shady stuff like i'm i can't be a fan anymore and mm. then i'm thinking okay this is it and where do we go from here we go to mastodon i've tried that there's no one there i cannot find anybody i cannot talk with anybody yeah it's just same for blue sky yeah it, oh yeah same for that threads i haven't even tried because of the privacy thing like yeah, same. such a red <laughs> flag that i have to change my app store country to get this thing yeah but I don't think anyone's there anymore, or not anymore. It it works for one week, so I don't know where to go if it shuts down. Uh, it's not a nice thought. Yeah, I guess we'll all email each other for a while. Yeah, <laughs> going back to <laughs> to the email chains yeah. thing. Well, yeah. exactly. We get those. <laughs> yeah, those those were the days. <laughs> maybe we'll have to get on that. Maybe we have to to at least create a Slack or a Discord channel for all those. Indie hackers. I think Phil yeah. Keller has a nice list called Authentic Builders, which has a lot of the yeah. cool indie hackers in them. Which yeah, is get does. all of those into our Discord or Slack channel, and then we're safe with one safety net. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we need a safety net. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's a product. Yeah, <laughs> indie um, safety net. Yeah, <laughs> we get on that. We have uh, two finishing questions before we stop mm -hmm. with the podcast that we're asking all of our guests to compare. The first one is always, what are you excited about right now? And that can be work-related, but it doesn't have to be. It's hard not to be excited about Chipixen. I really am excited <laughs> about Chipixen. And I have so many ideas and ways to market it and to essentially show people what it can do. 
that I don't know which one to start with. It's been like this the entire week. Like I started something and I'm excited about 10 other things that I want to do all at once. I feel I need a, a team of developers to get this vision out. <laughs> and if that's not excitement, then yeah, tell me what it is. I'm really excited about Jackson. That's but I think that's awesome to be ex that excited about your own project project or product. That's that's amazing, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And the last question for you, if a new indie hacker would start and they have zero followers on Twitter, they're just starting, they have a product idea maybe, what would be like the one number one thing you would suggest them to yeah, do? Yeah, it's a great time for you. It's <laughs> enjoy it because I miss those times. I miss the times where You'd get excited at that one notification that you got, this one like from someone that notices that you exist. You need to get into people's replies. You need to get into the build in public hashtag and see what people are doing. Try to, to maybe they ask for something. How is this pricing page look? Or talk to them. Maybe even talk about your thing too. There's there's Peter. I like Peter. He's doing these questions with, what are you building this week? And tell us something cool about your product. And he's just doing these over and over again. And there are always like 100 comments underneath. And mm -hmm. get into those. Talk about your thing when you find those. And find big people that also are starting to build and follow them and go through their feed see how they're doing, see their progress, try out their product, give them feedback, and keep replying. You probably are not going to get much on your own. Don't spend more time than doing one tweet a day because it's probably not worth it for a while. I think up to 2,000 followers, of course, you should tweet just so people get to know you, but don't have expectations that any of those will get much traction. Yeah, mm -hmm. you, you get the traction in the replies. And after 2000, you, you can focus a little bit more on that, to focus more on your own content. You shouldn't just do lazy tweets or, or whatever. It's still fine to talk about it, but just don't do too many. Do one, one a day is plenty if you can do that. And the rest of your interactions are replying to people and, and getting to know them. Yeah, and I think one big addition is always that's the thing that I would also suggest. That's something that Arvid Karl also has in his Twitter introduction tutorial, whatever. But one thing that I always want to add is that you're like, we, we just said that how much we love the community and how much we actually, we made genuine connections with people. You can only do that if you actually want to be part of that community. If mm -hmm. you're just there to get followers, it probably won't work. So I'm, I just wanted to add that to the end. Mm, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that's a great addition. It goes back to what I said. I've been on this website for many years. And only this year I started to be genuine and not try to put something out there that I think people want to read and just put a bit of myself out there instead. Because I really wanted to be part of this community. I really wanted to engage with these people, get to know them. And I haven't. That's why I'm saying it's such a great time because I think now I'm past that somehow. It's a lot harder to meet people. The people that, that you've made uh, friends with between the, maybe between 500 and, and 2,000, let's say, 
those are going to be very special and they're going to be with you. It's quite funny that I mean, you're going to meet more people, but those that you do, and I have a few of those, they, they feel like they've been through the same journey with you and you've grown together and that's such a bonding experience and you cannot get that anymore because when you have thousands of followers, then you would you'd be, yeah, this person's already there, basically, and a lot of people will engage with your thing because they maybe just want to grow themselves and they're not mm -hmm. really authentic and they cannot relate to you because you're either ahead or in a, in a different space. It's not You're not starting your first product again. You're a lot more experienced now. And then when you're a lot more experienced, it's harder to have a common journey with someone else. I imagine I'm not there yet, but I cannot say, you mentioned Mark before. I cannot say, hey, Mark, mm -hmm. let's, let's get together and shake hands and build stuff together because we're in a different place and he's focused on his audience and his products and generally product doesn't have time for this stuff anymore yeah 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 that's why big shout out to Arvid Karl that's why I was basically shocked that he uh, took the time to come on this podcast as well and yeah. not discrediting anyone else that is here I love all the people that I've interviewed so far but a creator like looking down let's say that and actually going and supporting someone that has a 500 followers at that point is amazing and is very rare at that point so connecting yeah. with the people that are similar size is is a good idea yeah yeah he's a great role model Harvey. yeah yes I, I love him he's always no matter how many followers and so on he's always helpful and you know puts the time if, if of course he's probably getting thousands of replies and mails and so on but if he sees yours he's gonna put his heart into the reply and not faster than i really really yeah. I, I hope i'll get to stay the same and not say i i don't have time and it's also understandable like a lot of the people once they they make it and they've been very active then they fade away because now they're, yeah. they're just focusing on the build on the business that's fine i would like for myself to still be part of the community and still try to help I mean, you, you cannot help everyone because there's just it, it takes a lot of time to do it i have for the past a few weeks i'm I'm struggling to manage this to i want to answer everyone that adds me and, and comments on something but it, it takes a lot of time to do it i have to save two hours every evening to scroll through the notifications and to <laughs> and sometimes it's hard to not give a half-ass reply so arvid he's great i don't know how he does it um, yeah yeah huge shout out from both of us <laughs> huge huge shout out yeah we're at the end of the podcast then. <laughs> a little overboard, but that's fine. Yeah. Awesome. I can keep um, going, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. Thank you for taking all the time uh, to ask, uh, to answer the questions and to get a little into talking about indie hacking and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, it's been great having you. Um, it's a great pleasure. <laughs> thank you so much. And uh, I hope you have a great evening. Thank you. Bye. Talk to you soon. Bye. And that's our episode. Thank you for sticking with us to the end. You can find Dan on Twitter with a handle I can't really pronounce. Damon? Damon? It's spelled D4M1N. You can find links to his products there as well. You can find me on Twitter with the username IceBearLabs. That's I-C-E-B-E-A-R-L-A-B-S. We have a website you can check out where we're posting articles about the biggest learnings of each episode. Go to codeandconquer.fm to find out more. You can find this podcast on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram with the handle CodeConquerPod and write us a mail at hello at codeandconquer.fm. 
If you're one of the people who listens to this podcast on the Apple Podcast platform or Spotify, please consider rating our show. It lets other people discover this podcast and helps us grow this even bigger. Thank you so much. Till next time.